hard to follow up with that, actually, to be honest. Um, because isn't that where it's really happening? Uh, a lot of what Alistair's been speaking about in the last series has, has been about the, the importance of the, the gathered community equipping and empowering and then sending each and every one of us out into the community so that we can actually come alongside and demonstrate that love of Jesus and make a far bigger impact in our everyday lives than what we can when we're all gathered together. And I think that's such an amazing example of that. Well, this morning we're starting a new series. This is going to be our Christmas series, although we've started one week before Advent. And the title that we've gone in for, it's a bit of a mouthful. It's called The World That We're Born Into, or The World We're Born Into. Over the Christmas period, we're going to be having a focus on the persecuted church. And particularly, we're going to be having opportunities to find out about and support the persecuted church through Open Doors, which is going to be our Christmas appeal. And as we've been focusing ourselves on this, we felt that it was important that we actually took this time when we all get back into that, that pattern of the Christmas holidays where we're all looking forward to all of that time that we might be spending with friends and with families, maybe looking really excited to our Christmas dinner or our gifts or whatever it is that people may be excited over about. It's also quite important just to, to take some time and think about for those where maybe it's not going to be as an exciting Christmas. Or, or maybe there's a lot of challenges to overcome and to find that joy of Christmas within them challenges is very tough. So much tougher than what it is for ourselves. Today in the UK, we are privileged because we are born in a world where we have so many different options available to us. In even the most desperate circumstances, in the UK, you'll often find that there are other options available. When I was looking on the um, internet and just searching about the, um, what sort of like options are available to people within the UK, it actually came up with loads of results about people who are leaving school. And in the results, it was showing all of these different choices that those that are leaving school have from continuing to pursue higher education to going down an apprenticeship route maybe to take out a gap year. There are so many options available. I even thought I would ask AI, because that's the big thing at the moment, what it feels about the options that are available to us in the UK. And what AI said is the UK generally has a strong culture of individualism and freedom of choice. This means that people are often free to make their own decisions about their lives without being constrained by social norms or government regulations. It's true, though, isn't it? 
you know, we're not denying that there isn't challenges to live in in the UK. This last year, very many people are feeling the impact of financial difficulty as the cost of living has risen so much. And it is difficult sometimes to, to, to find our way out of situations which we're in, which wasn't through any choice of our own. However, on the whole, as far as it goes in comparison to other places in the world, we do have a lot more options available to us. And I think actually one of the areas that we can see this is in our approach in the UK particularly to faith. Because we often see a, a desire to go to church in such a way that it can suit people's moods and feelings for that time. Well, this isn't the case for others. When we think about those who live in a situation where there's real persecution, where there isn't the opportunity to choose from a plethora of different options, we find that for them, being in a situation where they're able to think independently and to believe in something that they've personally developed a conviction within, it is seen as risky business. In such cultures, not only will they find that there may be pressures from outside for them to think and behave in certain ways, but even these preconceptions have an impact on the families as it can bring really quite severe dishonor and shame on people's making decisions to believe in something which seems to go against what is the status quo. As I was looking into this and, and trying to just sort of immerse myself in some of the stories which Open Doors was sharing, I came across a story of a gentleman called Badal and his wife, and they lived in a village where Christianity was in no way, shape, or form the majority. And those that lived in this village, they, when this Bedell and his wife would come close to them, they would say, go away. You are Christians. You are not to mix with us. Their children, particularly, were deeply impacted with this. Because as they went to school, they were told by the other children that they were unclean, that they were infidels, that they weren't allowed to play with them, all because it was known that they'd made a commitment to follow Jesus. Isn't that just so hard for us to imagine what that would actually be like? Well, more common today, we tend to find, is that in, in the West, 
there's becoming a rhetoric that Christianity is becoming more and more marginalized, that it's easier that Christians may be belittled. But when you think about the challenges that we face as Christians in the country today compared to the challenges which families face, choosing to follow Jesus in a country where they face massive persecution, it sort of like pales into in comparison. I think if we think back to the world that Jesus was born into, do we think that that was a world which was more like our world here that we're experiencing, particularly in the West, in UK, in Scotland, or was it more like the world that Jesus was born into? That is what we're going to be exploring over this Advent season. Because so often we find that we become so used to the Christmas story, the nativity plays, that we don't maybe spend that time to think about, well, what were some of the challenges that were being faced? But also, what are maybe some of our misconceptions as we project our challenges today into the biblical environment? Well, today's scriptures, which Gordon had read, they delved straight into the Christmas story with shepherds who are far removed from our experience of life. Now, the closest that I've come to knowing what being a shepherd will be like is that this Thursday, we're going to be picking up a new Border, poly, a border Collie pup, um, a sheepdog. And as we've been doing lots of research into that, we've been finding out a bit more about shepherding because they have a natural instinct to herd animals together. I actually came across a funny story about that, which is kind of related to the topic, but I wanted to share it anyway, because I was speaking to my sister and um, saying to her about the fact we were getting the collie, and she said, oh, you need to Google border collies herding sheep into people's homes. <laughs> and I thought, okay, well, yeah, I, I'll Google this, but was quite shocked to find the result. So the first result was on BBC News about a family who had a seven-month-old border collie who they'd left in the house and they forgot to close the gate to their garden. This border collie obviously was able to roam freely around the garden, but because the gate was open, this family came home to find all of them sheep that the dog had herded into their kitchen. Could you imagine it, coming into your house and finding all of these sheep in your kitchen? It's crazy, isn't it? Well, after the um, initial shock, and then seeing the funny side of it, they probably weren't as happy because there was a lot of mess for them to clear up. This, in some respects, is the kind of imagery we might think of when we think about shepherding here in Scotland, is the sheep out grazing on the fields, and then the farmers that go out, often with their dogs, who herd them together to bring them in for lambing season, for wooling, and so on. 
Well, we also have many familiar images for the idea of a biblical shepherd as well. When we think about that statement, there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. I'm sure even when that was read earlier, you immediately had typical images which popped into your head as you were thinking about that. But what we often find when we think about the image of shepherd within the Bible is that these images can be a bit conflicted. More often than not, the case is, is when the story of the shepherds is being talked about in more depth in a biblical perspective, often in preaching and in sermons, the focus is often on the idea of the image of shepherds as outcasts. As people who spend more time outside civilization than what they do inside civilization. They're often portrayed as unclean. That because of their uncleanliness, they would be seen as not being able to participate in certain rituals that others would be able to participate in. They are seen as the lowliest of the low, as social outcasts. In some of the early writings after Jesus, which has often informed a lot of this, shepherds seem to be a caricature of distrust seen as thieves and outlaws. Does that image ring a bell in how shepherds in the Bible have been portrayed when we think about the Christmas story? For many people, it would. On the back of that, there is then this message of the shepherds being like a smaller micro example of Jesus coming to be the salvation of sinners, of the outcasts. And that this pronouncing of the good news is foreshadowing something of Jesus' ministry that he's coming to bring within the world. It's quite a powerful picture and quite a powerful image. However, if you then begin to take a look at the image of shepherd across the scriptures, you begin to see other images. Sheep, for example, are the most frequently mentioned animal in the whole of the Bible. And shepherds and the importance of shepherds are prominent among this. Across the Bible, we see that there's a quality of relationship which is demonstrated between a shepherd and a sheep. And that this is often used to provide a valuable spiritual metaphor. We'll see that many of the key figures within the Bible were actually shepherds. Abraham, Moses, David, Isaac, Amos, they were all shepherds. And not all shepherds were men either. There were female shepherds as well, including Rebecca and the daughters of Jethro. 
we see that God is portrayed as shepherds. If we think about the famous psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, Psalm 23. An amazing, vivid image of what it means that God is our shepherd, the one who guides us, who comforts us, who protects us. We saw in the reading in John that even Jesus described himself as the good shepherd. How do we handle these two images? On one hand, a narrative that the shepherds in the story of Jesus' birth were representative of outcasts, of outlaws, of thieves, of sinners. And yet the actual biblical image for shepherds is actually one of integrity, of caring for the sheep, of looking after them in the most desperate of situations. Sheep represented the livelihood of the families and the communities. They were essential for trade, for food, and even for warmth in the winter. A shepherd's responsibility towards their family was, was massive because they were literally looking after their possessions, their wealth, their food, their trade. And also, sheep and animals figured largely in the sacrificial systems at the time as well. As the sheep were being looked after, the best of the sheep may be presented to the temple to be sacrificed. I came across a, another interesting sort of theory where, where research they were suggesting would say that the shepherds who were living close to Bethlehem could potentially have been temple shepherds who were particularly looking after the sheep for the sacrificial system there in the temple. It doesn't say that in the text. So I think that is making a bit of a leap. However, I think it's helpful for us to begin to get a sense of maybe that role is something that we haven't given the full credit for. I mean, certainly the conditions that the shepherds were living in and the unique relationship that they had with the sheep was very interesting. And that was something which I can imagine that other people wouldn't have envied. The sheep were free grazers, and so they were totally dependent on the sheep. And they wouldn't survive the sheep. The sheep weren't dependent on the sheep. The sheep were dependent on the shepherd. And, and they wouldn't survive very long without the shepherd. They were often portrayed in the Bible as providers, guiders, protectors, constant companions. This idea of dependency is something which we find is a really strong image in pastoral literature throughout the time of Jesus outside of the Bible as well. The image of a shepherd as an ideological figure of someone with simple virtue and leadership. So when we think about 
the wider image of the shepherd, does that begin to change something about the image of the shepherds within Jesus' birth? I don't think it necessarily changes some of the images that we've come to receive so often, but it does enrich it because it avoids oversimplifying the image of the shepherd. I think in all of the images of the shepherd in the Bible, there's something understated about the role of a shepherd, which is really important in the biblical story and the world that Jesus was born into. There was a sense of admiration for their work, for their humility, but also that it wasn't for everyone. It meant that they were people that were hardened, that they were seen as being perhaps cut from a different stock to other people. But then again, it wasn't a choice. It wasn't like today where somebody thought, when I'm, gro- when I'm older, I want to grow up and become a shepherd. It wasn't an employment opportunity that they were presented at school in a careers development ch- class. Instead, it was passed down from generation to generation to the appropriate sibling as according to the order that they were born in. It is hard to romanticize spending your time outdoors, looking after sheep in whatever weather, sleeping in awful conditions, protecting them from so many different dangers, literally lying across the gate of a cave that you found for them to rest in, being that first point of protection for the sheep. It is hard to romanticize that. But then, maybe when we capture all of these images and the richness of them, we might then get something of the reality of life as a shepherd that was essential to the story. I wonder if we've fallen into the trap of dismissing the shepherds as anything other than outcasts. Because it's amazing how people who seem to have so many options will narrow down their own options and actually end up having very narrow-minded views of other people. We see this often in social media is particularly, one of my um, guilty pleasures is that I can find myself being caught sometimes just reading the comments on YouTube videos, often Christian videos, and you're more, I'm more just reading them just out of just shock at the kind of comments which people will write into situations and write to people they don't even know and the circumstances that they're writing from. There's this, this pride which comes through as they engage with other people. As we think 
about the shepherds. As we think about other people who we may dismiss as outcasts within society, we'll always find that there is a, a quality which is important in all of them. There is a surprise factor in this story that the news was revealed to the shepherds of the coming king. That was a surprise. They weren't the people you'd expect them to share that news with. They were the lower class, and they were poor. But the text does not dwell on the conditions or the lowly nature of the shepherds. It doesn't mention that at all. It's us that often linger on that. Instead, it's actually the shepherd's reaction to the message that the text dwells on. Their reaction to the good news. There is something every day in the message. It's something that we're supposed to be able to relate to ourselves. How would we receive the good news? It's something that we're supposed to relate to in the same way that other people from other countries who find themselves in different situations. If we think back about the family that I read about on the Open Doors website, Bedell and his wife, Maya, they didn't choose what life had dealt them. And they, I can imagine, are horrified at how they are judged. But what sets them apart is their commitment to the good news that they found in Christ. I think as we're coming through this series, I think one of the things that is so helpful for us to learn is that we should never oversimplify other people's circumstances or undermine the importance of what they have to offer. Because the fact is, is that if you look at Christianity in the world today, it is growing in places where the church faces so much persecution. And we need to take a minute and think about, well, why, why is that? Well, maybe it's growing so fast. Because in our context today, we are freely able to speak about the love of Christ. It's a choice. It's an option. But do we? And yet we've got other people who are living in countries where their conviction and their belief in Jesus can cause them not just to be ridiculed, but to be physically put to harm, to even be killed. They have no choice in many respects to speak about Jesus' love. And yet they do. There is such a contrast between the challenge that that brings. I can imagine the, the news when the shepherds found out about Jesus that it would have been life-changing. 
And we know that it was life-changing because it says that they were amazed and then they went and told other people. And again, it didn't say, and the other people said, get away from us, you outcasts, you unclean people. It doesn't say that. The people were equally amazed as what the shepherds were sharing themselves. In this series, we're going to be considering these different circumstances that people were born into. But as we're considering that, we might also take the time to consider the world that we've been born into and how we carry the good news that we found in Jesus in the world around us. We will be careful not to oversimplify other people's circumstances, to, to, to use them as a story to suit an illustration, rather than to actually see that that is something which should be challenging us, that should be challenging us to think about how am I portraying Jesus in the world around us, in my daily life, in the relationships with those around us. This is the story of the shepherds that we've started looking at today, not just about where they were, but about how they received the news and what the news means to them and us today. So let us just pray, and I'll just want to just pray from the beginning of Psalm 23, just as we just reroute ourselves in the image as the Lord is my shepherd. Heavenly Father, we thank you that your son Jesus is the good shepherd. And as your word says, the Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. We pray that we will seek the shepherd's guidance within our lives, that we will commit to following Jesus in everything that we do that we will be representatives of the good news of Christ in the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.